Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the Detroit Tigers 2. That, by the way, that's your first place Cleveland Guardians 3, the Detroit Tigers 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And you know what? I'm going to share a little bit of my personal journey with this particular baseball game. Uh, You know I was out of town for work. I was driving back last night. I figured, hey, I'll put the game on for a little bit. It'd be a good way to pass the time on the road. I got back after midnight. It was a late drive. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I got in the car uh, after a bite to eat. I got in the car after the Guardians were already up 3-0. I was keeping an eye on it uh, and uh, started listening to the game, listened to Savali give up those two runs in the fourth inning. And then the Guardians offense for like two, three innings in a row just did nothing. Just nothing right through the Jim Rosenhaus innings on the radio. And I was like, I, I can't. I can't do it. I need some action. I need something to keep me awake on this road trip. And this baseball game is not it. And did I make the right decision? Because the Guardians offense, after the third inning, does nothing. Nothing. They don't even get a base runner. They don't even get a base runner after Nolan Jones singles in the third inning. I mean, unbelievable how quiet the offense gets. So I made the absolute right call. Uh, I put on uh, you know, some stand-up comedy. I put on a podcast. Anything. I needed some conversation. I needed something to keep me awake on the road. And this baseball game just was not it. So I do love baseball being played. But, man, I mean... That's why I call it a pastime, right? You put it on while you're cooking dinner, while you're hanging out, while you're playing with the dog. And uh, it just wasn't, it just was not working for me yesterday. So uh, I kept an eye on the game. Of course, I kept an eye on the game. I saw what was happening. And I actually got the game back on for the ninth inning. I got to hear Classe uh, pick up the save in the ninth inning. So I think I made the right decision here. I think I made the right road trip decision here. You know, it's a big difference when you're at home and you can just passively have the game on. When you need something on that radio to keep you going, to keep you awake on a ridiculously long work day, uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to make the decision that works for you. So uh, that was my personal journey with this game. Let's get into the actual storylines of the game. And the fact the fact that the Guardians don't have a base runner after the third inning definitely is a storyline of this game. Uh, Drew Hutchinson, journeyman who's bounced around with an unbelievable amount of franchises, um, last five innings, gives up eight hits, gives up three runs. It looks like it's going to be an absolute rout. I mean, even in the third inning, they get two hits off him. Uh, it looks like they're just going to bury this guy. And then suddenly he calms down, gets through two more innings, and the Tigers bullpen throw up zeros for the rest of the game. Zeros in every category except strikeouts. Uh, so weird, a weird, weird game, a weirdly paced game. Because on the other side of things, coming back from injury, Aaron Savali only lasts four innings, only goes 62 pitches. Remember, this is his first start back. You know, I think he only had one rehab start, so they really kind of got him back up here. 
And uh, it's not a terrible day by any means. I mean, he was perfect through the first three innings. So the first time through the lineup, he was perfect. He over-relied on the cutter a little bit, as we will see. Ends up giving up two runs, three hits in that fourth inning. And Francona decides that's it. That's it. That's all I need from him in his first rehab start. I will go to the bullpen. And the plan probably, maybe maybe the plan was to have Henches go a few more innings. Uh, the last time, I feel like the last time Henches pitched, he went, uh, what was it, 2.2 innings or something like that. So Henches can go a little bit. He's not a bad piggyback candidate off a starter that's not going very deep into a game. Uh, yeah, his last outing against Houston, he went two and two thirds. So wonder if that was the plan. That was five days ago. I wonder if that was a plan for Henges. And it just, he got into a little bit of trouble and needed some help getting out of that fifth inning. Sandlin is able to bail him out. Andres Jimenez is able to bail him out with a runner on third. Uh, runners on the corner, it looks like they're set up for a double play. But the runner on third gets a terrible, terrible jump. Was Jonathan Scope out there on third? Um, gets an absolute terrible jump. And uh, he just decides, hey, I can throw this guy out of the plate. What do I need to sacrifice this run for? I can make it out of the plate. So a really heads up defensive play from Andres Jimenez there. Saved Sam Henches' day. Uh, really saves the Guardians in this one because their offense wasn't going to, I mean, Butterfly Flex, who, effect who knows what would happen but their offense wasn't going to do anything for the rest of the game so cutting that run down at the plate was actually huge there were some huge defensive moments in this game uh there was a moment where they didn't didn't send the runner where they held riley green uh, i think in the eighth inning against karen to load the bases because whoever was coming up in right field i don't know if it was oscar gonzalez or nolan jones i don't know exactly when oscar gonzalez came in as a defensive replacement in this game but uh, yeah, they were worried about the arm out there in right field, and they hold the runner at third base. So uh, there were some big defensive moments for the Guardians that kept them in this game. And then the bullpen, man, after Henches, the bullpen goes to work. You got to give credit to even Brian Shaw. Uh, two strikeouts for Shaw in his clean inning. Trevor Steffen, zeros on the board, two strikeouts. Karen Sheck gets into a world of pain, but strikes out the side leaves the bases loaded, and then Classe, even with an Ahmed Rosario error, uh, what should have been an Ahmed Rosario error, I don't know why they gave him a hit and then an error on the throw. It's just an error, guys. Uh, and he gets two strikeouts in the ninth inning. So crooked number strikeouts from all four closers, four closers, all four relievers that finish the game. So pretty we I mean, this is a strange box score. This is a weird box score to reflect back on. Uh, so let's get into the pitching side of things. How did they do it? Well, Savali, like we said, perfect through the first three innings. And then, man, did that cutter let him down. Man, I mean, he was getting decent strikeouts. He got Riley Green in that first inning to really expand the strike zone. You'll actually see all the pitchers got hitters to expand the strike zone in this one. Uh, gets Victor Reyes on a forcing fastball outside, uh, drops a curveball on Kerry Carpenter, making his debut, and then uh, gets Akil Badu frozen with a two-seam sinker up and into Akil Badu. The lefties, all the strikeouts were left-handed hitters against Aaron Savali. Now, that's not to say that that cutter was perfect, because that cutter definitely had problems. In that, uh, in that fourth inning, once he starts to get hit, guess what? It's the cutter. 
He gives up two doubles and a single to the cutter. The one to Riley Green is inside just below the belt, and he turns and he puts it down the right field line. Uh, A really nice swing from Riley Green there. And then Haas and Harold Castro both get cutters that are frankly middle of the plate up. Middle of the plate, right below the letters. You couldn't ask for a meteor pitch from Aaron Savali to hit. They both deliver. They both deliver hits and uh, drive-in runs. And suddenly the Tigers are back in this game. And it's because of his cutter. And he still relies on this cutter so much. 29 times he threw the cutter. The most of any pitch. forty, Almost 50%. 47% of the time he threw the cutter. It only had three whiffs on 20 swings. So they were on it. They fouled it off nine times. They put eight in play with an average exit velocity of 93 miles per hour. So they were on this cutter. And he just continues to rely on it. And we go over to his StatCast page, and he's still throwing at the most of any pitch. 32.1% of the time, he's throwing that cutter. He throws more to left-handed batters than he throws to righties. But it has an batting average, not even an expected batting average, actual batting average of 324 off of it. It has a 278 expected batting average, but a 324 actual batting average. It has a 449 expected slugging, but it's got an actual slugging of 521. So I don't care what the expected is. It's not working right now. That cutter is not working. And we've hammered Savali for this before. Last year, it had a minus 14 run value. It's sitting at a plus 4 run value right now, which is not good. So he, I, he's either got to rework this cutter, figure out the command of this cutter, so he's not sitting middle of the plate like he did to Haas and he did to uh, Castro, right? You can't leave pitches there. You can't leave cutters there. Uh, fine, if you want to pound lefties inside with the cutter, that's one thing. If you want to throw some backdoor cutters and leave it on the arm side edge, that's fine, but not middle up. Don't throw it there. Uh, so, yeah, it's been Savali's problem. That cutter has been in the middle of the plate way more this year than it was last year. So he gets out of that fourth inning, though, survives it, and then the bullpen goes to work. And, uh, man, yeah, the strikeouts. In fact, the the hits Henches gives up are off-the-plate pitches. They expand the zone to get these hits. Uh, Keel Badu reaches out for a slider. Uh, Jonathan Scope with a fastball that was off the plate to the glove side uh, for the lefty Henches. So it's not like Henches was stuck in the middle of the plate for the hits he gave up. Uh, he was, uh, they were expanding the zone even for hits. But the strikeouts were the big thing. He gets uh, Victor Reyes to expand the zone and chase a fastball outside. Then Shaw comes in and guess what? Gets fastballs on pitches other than this cutter. Look at that. He actually mixed it up on the day. Shaw did not throw all cutters. He threw, maybe he's been listening. He threw eight cutters, sure, the most of any pitches, 53% of the time was a cutter, but he threw four curveballs, a changeup, a slider, and a fastball. Wow, so eight cutters and seven other pitches than the cutter. I mean, that's that's a real improvement for Brian Shaw right there, and it works. He gets a strikeout on two pitches that aren't the cutter. He gets a strikeout on a uh, slider to Eric Haas. Uh, that he swings through, and it was on the plate, but mixes him up with the slider. 
changes speeds on him, and gets Kerry Carpenter to chase a curveball in the dirt. Uh, was this Car- Carpenter's major league debut? If it was, it was not very good for him. He strikes out three times in his major league debut. That's a rough way. Three for four in your major league debut. 24-year-old left fielder who is DHing on the day. Yes, it was his major league debut. Um, so, yeah, so good job there. And then uh, Trevor Steffen gets, of course, with his off-speed pitches, gets some strikeouts, gets Candelario to chase a slider up in the zone, pounds him in high and tight with a slider. And then, of course, it's the splitter. He gets a Kielbadu to chase the splitter down out of the zone. That one's at the knees, though. That's just a nasty splitter from Trevor Steffen. Uh, Karinchek gets his strikeouts from two fastballs at the top of the zone, gets Javi Baez to expand the zone up, and then drops a curveball on Kerry Carpenter. Poor guy. Takes another strikeout against Karinchek. And then Classe gets both his strikeouts on cutters out of the zone, gets hitters to expand the zone, gets Scope chasing a slider, gets uh, Candelario uh, swinging at a cutter. I'm sorry, did I say slider? Cutters. Cutters. Both of them were cutters off the plate to the glove side for Emmanuel Classe and pretty far off the plate. It's not like he was painting the edge there. These are pretty far off the plate. So some of the CSW numbers for these relievers, obviously it's a little bit skewed. It's a little bit hard with the relievers because they don't throw that many pitches. Um, but Shaw got a good whiff rate, a 60% whiff rate, six whiffs on 10 swings against Shaw. Trevor Steffen had a 60% whiff rate. He was a hundred percent whiff rate on that splitter two for two and a hundred percent whiff rate on the one slider that they got him to swing at. Uh, Karen check. Uh, had a 46% whiff rate, six whiffs on 13 swings. Uh, so yeah, he did get hit in play. He did give up some hits. He did hit a guy in a hand in his hand. It's kind of classic Karen check right there, right? To work those bases loaded and then somehow get out of it. Usually he's putting the bases loaded because of walks. This time they hit him. They actually hit his forcing fastball. Uh, they put one in play off his fastball and one off his curveball, but then he's able to figure out a way to get out of it. Uh, and then Classe, that cutter was just filthy. A 50% whiff rate on the cutter. Four whiffs on eight swings. They were trying to be aggressive. They were they swung 11 times on 15 pitches against Emmanuel Classe. He doesn't have any called strikes on the day. But a 50% whiff rate on that cutter. They could not put a cutter in play against him. Uh, the two that are put in play are both the slider and the four-seam fastball. And here's what I'll say about the uh, Akil Badu the base hit error situation here. Yes, yes, uh, Ahmed Rosario rushes the throw. Yes, he rushes the throw because Akil Badu is running. He had to sit back on it, wait for the hop, and he rushes the throw, and he throws it high. I'm just saying, Naylor is not the tallest first baseman. And on top of that, to compound that, he uh, this ball must have had some serious spin to it, like a riser pitch. Because he steps out. He stretches out instead of reaching up. So I think, oh, God, I hate to do this to Naylor, but I feel like Naylor is a little bit to blame for his mechanics at first base on this error here, on this ball that sails over his head. It just makes me wonder if instead of the 5'11", Josh Naylor at first base, I mean, if we have a Jose Abreu type, a 6'3", first baseman, uh, does he, if it's Will Benson playing first, I don't know how good Will Benson's footwork is, but does he come down with that uh, instead of 
instead of uh, Naylor, who stretched out for it and had it sail over his head. Benson, who's 6'5". I feel like Benson makes that catch, and it's a, you know, it's a non-issue. It's not an error. They make the final out of the game uh, and get out of it. So that's everything. I mean, the bullpen was absolutely fantastic to shut things down like this. Uh, on the offset, offensive side of the ball, I mean, really, it's a quick way of scoring. Quan, a leadoff triple to kick off the game. Two batters later, Jose Ramirez takes one off the handle and drops it in the left field up. It's a good approach. Going to left field brings that runner in to score. Uh, Quan with his triple. Uh, you know, the um, the right fielder, Reyes, I think sometimes we talk about did a fielder have a chance? Did he not have a chance? I feel like Reyes had a chance at this dive, this diving catch out there. And he just can't make the catch. He's there. He's definitely there. He just can't make the diving catch. Uh, and he squirts by him. Goes all the way wall. Quan with a lead-off triple. That's just huge. I mean, when I saw that, I was beaming. I was like, a lead-off triple. I love it. So they bring him in to score. Then the next inning, they put together a nice rally in that second inning. Andres Jimenez with a lead-off single. Benson, he steals second base. And then Will Benson gets his first major league hit, 101.4 mile-per-hour single into right field. And it's an RBI single on top of that. By the way, Jimenez on with a bunt. I like that, a leadoff bunt from Jimenez. He's told us if he thinks he has a chance to lay down a bunt for a hit, he's bunting for a hit. Uh, so they bring him in. Austin hedges with a single, puts runners on the corner, and then Straw hits into a force out, but his speed allows Benson to come in to score. He's safe at first base. And, uh, yeah, they end up uh, loading the bases then. Quan would single, and Rosario would walk, but unfortunately Ramirez flies out to end the threat. Uh, like I said, back-to-back hits in the third from Jimenez and Nolan Jones, but that would be it. That would be the last base runner of the day. So what looked like it was going to be an explosive offense. I mean, they were really cooking. They put up eight hits in those first three innings. you think they were just absolutely going to destroy the Tigers. It turns into a real nail-biter throughout this thing, through the eighth inning with loading the bases with Karinchek. Even with Henches in that fifth inning, I mean, they have to really work out of some stuff in that fifth inning. The good news is no walks on the day from any Guardians pitching. Uh, that helps things out. Uh, we do hit someone with a pitch, but no walks. Uh, you know, that could have really torpedoed this game. Uh, so, yeah, no walks and a ton of strikeouts is a really good recipe for a bullpen. I wish there was more I could dig into offensively. I mean, Jimenez has a multi-hit game. Quan has a multi-hit game. It's nice to see Jimenez batting fifth in the lineup instead of seventh, being up there in the action. Uh, really nice on the day. Uh, he got Nolan Jones and Will Benson in the lineup at the same time. That was nice to see. Of course, Owen Miller would come in and pinch hit at DH late in this game. Why? Why? Give Benson more at-bats. Give the kid at-bats. That's what we want to see. But it works. They win the game 3-2. to two. Somehow they hang on to win it. And so MVP on the day, I'm I have to, I can't. I gotta give it to the entire well, most of the bullpen, really. I mean, Brian Shaw, Trevor Steffen, James Karachek, and Emmanuel Cosse handling the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings, multi-strikeouts, zeros across the board for most of them. You know, Karachek and Cosse kind of give up a hit. Uh, but double digits. Uh, not double-digit, crooked number strikeouts for Shaw, Stefan, Karinchek, and Klasse in their innings of work. I got to I gotta combine it into one big 
bullpen MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, yeah, your first place Cleveland Guardians. The uh, the Twins lose again to the Dodgers, so we are in sole possession of first place. Uh, you know, just I know we didn't make a move at the trade deadline, but don't give up on this team. Don't give up on August and September baseball. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're definitely the kind of person that is not giving up on this team. Uh, you know, I had an interesting Twitter interaction. You know, I think I think some guys were giving me a hard time uh, because I was staying pretty positive because I said something like that on Twitter. Uh, the point wasn't that we look how good we are because we stand pat at the trade deadline, right? The Yankees have fallen apart since the trade deadline. Even though they're still running away with the division, they've fallen apart. Uh, none of their trades seem to be working out. We stand pat, and we're on this nice winning streak and have taken over first place in our division. Uh, I, this is nothing about that, right? I, I still would have loved for us to upgrade catching, to upgrade the bullpen. But don't give up on this team is my point. Enjoy this run. We're going to make a run here. We're going to make a run in August and September. We're going to make a run for this division. We are in the lead now. We're in the lead position, and we can run away with this thing. We can. We got a tough test coming up against Toronto, but we're finally doing to Detroit what we should have been doing this entire season, which is winning games, which is filling up that win column. So we'll see. We got a day game here. If they could sweep this series, it would be some nice revenge to sweep a series in Detroit. It's Plesak going against uh, Hill for the Tigers. It's a righty, so I expect uh, you know some combination of these lefties, Jones and Benson, to be in there. Uh, we'll see if Tyler Freeman gets in the game somewhere. Uh, yeah, well, let's go win this thing. Let's go sweep this thing. Can we finally give Plesak some run support? Can we finally do that? Uh, hopefully, we can, and we can sweep this series before we got to go face a tough test up in Toronto. Now, we do have an email. We got an email from our friend Ken, and uh, Ken asked me about uh, Framil Reyes now with the Cubs. Any regrets, or will Gonzalez get the job done? Ken, I can tell you honestly, I have no regrets about Fermil Reyes being DFA'd, about catching on with the Cubs. Of course, he's got three hits uh, to start with the Cubs in his first two games. They had him batting cleanup. They had him batting third last night. He had two hits for them last night, batting third. Whatever, whatever. Honestly, whatever happens with the Cubs, I'm fine with it. Reyes was in a weird position where, uh, I mean, it obviously wasn't working here. And frankly, it opens up so much opportunity for Jones and Gonzalez and Benson. And I was just, I was so curious to see these guys. I mean, they're the future of our team. You know, would Reyes, if Reyes was still mashing 30 plus home runs, could he have been a longtime piece on this team? Maybe maybe, but it just was not trending that way. So I really do. I, I don't, I'm going to keep track of what happens with the Cubs. Of course, I'm going to keep my eye on it, but I really do have zero regrets about Reyes leaving. I mean, if he turns into David Ortiz, right? Ortiz left Minnesota around the same age as Reyes, uh, goes to Boston, has a Hall of Fame career, obviously. If that happens with Reyes and he becomes a Hall of Fame home run hitter for the Cubs, all right, maybe I'll have a little regret then. But honestly, right now, sitting here on August 11th, 2022, I don't have any regrets. 
Uh, he says Jose still seems to be popping out too much. Do you think his thumb is still giving him problems? I I don't I don't. We haven't heard anything like that. Uh, Jose seems to have been doing that all year. So maybe it's just the pressure he feels in that third spot, being the lead bat in the lineup. Does he feel pressure to hit some more home runs, especially because Reyes isn't in that lineup anymore? Is that it? Is he just feel more pressure to be the guy that hits some home runs on this team? I don't know why he keeps popping the ball up. Uh, and he says, I like your assessment of Miller from yesterday's episode. What to do about Tito's preference for him? What to do indeed, Ken? Uh, I guess all we can do is just hammer him on podcast, hammer him on Twitter until uh, Owen Miller finally sees those at-bats fall off for the younger hitters that we'd like to see get those opportunities. And they, again, Owen Miller steals an at-bat from Will Benson late in this game. Did it make a difference? No. It absolutely did not. Uh, so he grounded out. I think Will Benson was very capable of staying in there in the ninth inning and grounding out for himself. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So I agree with you, Ken. What to do about Tito's preference for him indeed. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. I can't say it was a fun win. I can't even say it was a fun game, but a win is a win. And uh, we need them against Detroit. So, again, the final, it's the Guardians 3, the Tigers 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. I'm usually more active during these day games. Uh, you can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, just like Ken did. Let me know your thoughts on the game, on the team. We'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So, if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So, thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.